You're listening to Hometown, a podcast by Episcopal Migration Ministries, the Refugee Resettlement and Migration Ministry of the Episcopal Church. Here on Hometown, we seek to build a community of welcome by sharing interviews, stories, and actions that you can take to advocate for our newest neighbors. Thank you for being with us. Hi, I'm Stephanie Whitehouse, the program assistant for EMM's new Neighbor to Neighbor program. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with some members of the St. Matthews and St. Andrews Pentecost Partnership Committee, who is working with Refugee One to do the critical work of welcome within their community. Joining me today are Cynthia Doucette, Marta Humphreys, the Reverend Terry J. Morrissey, and Kelly Went. Cynthia Doucette has been part of the St. Matthews Evanston family for 16 years, where she has served on the vestry, most recently as senior warden. Cynthia has worked on the gala and fundraising committees and is an annual participant in the Race Against Hate, and she feels blessed to be a part of St. Matthews, St. Andrews Pentecost Partnership for Community Sponsorship. Marta Humphreys is a member of the St. Andrews Pentecost Church in Evanston and is part of the St. Matthews-St. Andrews Pentecost Partnership Committee, where she serves on the facilitators team and the communications team. The Reverend Terry J. Morrissey is a deacon at St. Matthews Episcopal Church in Evanston, Illinois. She is a member of the St. Matthews-St. Andrews Partnership team, which is focused on issues surrounding immigration, DACA, and refugees. Prior to becoming a deacon, she spent more than 34 years as an art teacher. Last but not least, Kelly Went is the Community Engagement Coordinator for Refugee One. She oversees the co-sponsor program to support groups assisting arriving refugee families. And Refugee One is one of the largest resettlement agencies in Chicago, Illinois. Refugee One creates opportunities for refugees fleeing war, terror, and persecution to build new lives of safety, dignity, and self-reliance. Every year, Refugee One serves more than 2,500 refugees and immigrants of all ages, ethnic groups, faiths, and backgrounds. So friends, if you are curious to learn more about Refugee One and their mission, please visit them at www.refugeeone.org. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's show. So I'm very excited to speak with you all about community sponsorship today. And as you may know, EMM's newest program called Neighbor to Neighbor is built around this model of community sponsorship. So for our listeners who may not know, community sponsorship, especially through Neighbor to Neighbor, means communities coming together to welcome new neighbors by offering friendship, fostering community connections, and providing practical support, such as housing, assistance in accessing services and navigating the community, enrolling children in school, supporting adults in learning English, and securing employment, and much more. And Cynthia, you shared earlier with me that the partnership between St. Matthew's and St. Andrew's Pentecost started in 2017 with folks coming together to engage with a lot of social justice initiatives. And now your co-sponsors, your faith organization applied to be a co-sponsor for a family through Refugee One, and you all were accepted for a refugee family match, likely to happen in spring, early summer, and you had a very ecumenical interfaith interest in this work. So can your team and you speak a little bit about this evolution and this exciting opportunity between St. Matthew's, St. Andrew's Pentecost, and Refugee One? Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's just it's, it's an honor to be here and, and thrilled to hear about your your new neighbor to neighbor program. 
Um, as you mentioned, we did, we started in 2017. Uh, our, for the many years that I've been at St. Matthew's, um, our mission has been, or it was for a lot of those years, building community in a complicated world. And as part of that, there are multiple Episcopal churches in Evanston, one little town, but multiple churches. So as part of that, we got together with St. Andrew's Pentecost and just a dozen of us, a half from each church. We were lucky enough to have several like dynamic young high school students, one from each church for part of it, um, got together, just kind of build a community, become, we became great friends. Um, just, I, I just, I love everybody that's on there. I love everybody we've met through it. It's just been a great, just a, a great life experience. And throughout that, we met once a month. I mean, we, we should be doing something also to make a difference in this world. We have such great people, great experience, great backgrounds. We care. Let's get together. So one of our founding members, um, Edna, um, had a, a wonderful idea. She said, um, and, and this is in her memory also, um, she, she has since passed on. She said, what about immigrants and refugees, people struggling through coming to America? Maybe we can do something for that. So we started at that time um, with shared events and study. We're learning everything we can, um, education, a little bit of advocacy. We worked with Episcopal Migration Ministries and Allison Duvall and her team actually came out in 2019 and did a hosted a Love God, Love Neighbor program. For the whole community, we, we went, got the library space, the whole community came out, we had over 120 people came to wow. learn yeah. from EMM. And the next day we had a seminar, hosted a seminar for about 30 people to really learn how to do advocacy. So it's new to us, it's really just a great, and we're learning and growing together. Since then, we have done just a lot of really interesting, um, we hosted an author, um, Maudlin Ihijerica, She's a Chicago Sun-Times, um, and she's also an author. And she has a book, Escape from Nigeria, a memoir of faith, love, and war of her family's experience. And her mother actually came to the, it was a Lenten book club, just amazing. Um, we have done uh, drives for needed items for Refugee One, maybe a kitchen drive or calendars. We have um, advocacy for a, against nonprofit did, uh, or for-profit detention for asylum seekers. So we've done some just um, projects. We have worked, as Terry mentioned in her biography, um, to help uh, DACA recipients with the, it costs almost $500 per every two years for them to not only um, get uh, the DACA forms completed, but then every two years. So those are things that we can help with. And then we, um, we decided it's time to build education, advocacy, turn it into even more action. Um, we had thought in the beginning that we might not have critical mass to actually sponsor a family, um, even though our church had done so four or five in the maybe the 70s and 80s, but hadn't been for many years. And then we learned about the opportunity with Refugee One and the idea of a co-sponsorship was just perfect for us. They handle so many of the things that we don't have, you know, the, the legal um, as so much that you'll hear about from Kelly. So that's that's how this kind of evolved. And at the same time, um, we had the mission of building communicating, building community in a complicated world. And now um, our church has simultaneously gone through um, a, a reimagining and an evolution and um, the, the current uh, mission that we, we grew into last year is 
welcoming all in community, joyfully doing God's work in the world. So it's really wonderful how it's kind of come together. So thank you. That's phenomenal. And I, I really appreciate that bit about Refugee One being able to help with the heavy lifting in some areas. So Kelly, can you tell us a bit about your welcome and resettlement processes when it comes to partnerships with faith organizations like St. Matthew's and St. Andrew's and what that process looks like? Yeah. So I think Cynthia talked about this well, that it takes um, a strong partnership between a resettlement agency and community members, because it's a big job, right, of of folks coming here and resettling to a new place uh, when they've experienced um, so much trauma in the last, you know, not only several months, but likely several years as resettlement to a third country um, is sometimes a decades long process for folks. Uh, and it takes a lot of community members and agencies within a city um, to support families in a lot of different ways. You know, learning a new language, getting involved in a, a new school system, healthcare system, you know, you name it, everything is new. So we work really closely with co-sponsor teams to support families in a kind of a holistic way uh, with Refugee One providing a lot of programmatic and service-based support of, you know, programming with employment and English classes and wellness services and things like that. And then partnering families with community sponsors like um, Cynthia was talking about to really build relationships with them and help them become independent community members within Chicago, um, getting them connected to resources and different folks that may have experienced similar things, but also getting them connected to people in Chicago and, and helping them find a sense of home and community. So we're really excited to, to work with this team and, and others as well, just because we know it, it takes a village to, to welcome and um, to support families once they get here. That is, that is awesome. Thank you. Um, and then Marta, you shared with us that you're involved both on the facilitation team and communication team. So um, I can imagine a lot of heavy lifting that happens on the faith organization side. So can you tell us a bit about how you and your team help to empower individuals within the partnership and what your work looks like specifically with um, incoming refugee individuals and families? Well, on the facilitators team, we're responsible for making sure that everything gets done, uh, that the sub teams have uh, someone that they can come to in the event that there are questions. Um, We're just there to help, okay? And on the communication team, Um, we are going to be responsible for making sure that um, all the parishes uh, know what we're doing or what's needed. And so it's just a matter of communicating with others, keeping everyone informed. Thank you so much, Marta. And um, I would say as of now, we are living through some incredibly turbulent times and our government systems for immigration and resettlement are very overwhelmed, very backlogged as it is. So can you tell us a bit more about the effect that the massive influx of Afghan asylum seekers and refugees and now even Ukrainian refugees have had on your respective communities and how, um, how were your congregations empowered to respond? start off a little bit by talking about just resettlement in general um, and, and kind of the importance of considering this influx of Afghan refugees in context, you know, over the last few years as well. 
So as you all probably know, you know, the last several years have been really difficult for resettlement agencies and just the resettlement system as a whole. Um, the Trump administration really dismantled our infrastructure and really did a, everything they could to not welcome refugees here to the U.S. And then basically overnight, we went from welcoming virtually no refugees to welcoming a huge influx of folks from Afghanistan. And just some additional context for Refugee One in particular, we, we've welcomed more than 500 Afghans in the past five months. And that's been more than the last three fiscal years combined. So that, that uh, exponential increase, you know, has obviously been tough. And you can imagine the strain that's, that, that's put on, you know, our resettlement agency, but just resettlement in general across the U.S. Um, for agencies to suddenly scale up in that way. And um, it's made, you know, community partnerships all the more important over the last few months. And I think that's something we're learning to do is how to collaborate even better, um, just knowing that it's such a huge job and that no one can do it alone. So we've definitely learned even more so that we're, we're better when we work together. And we're excited that it's also reinvigorated our community, you know, to welcome and begin welcoming again. It's been amazing and inspiring to see all of the different ways that congregations and other communities have stepped up to support Afghans and other families that are continuing to be welcomed as well. So we do expect to welcome folks not only from Afghanistan for the next several months, but, but other families from across the globe. And uh, we're, we're really excited and have been inspired, honestly, to see just the way that communities of faith have stepped up in that way. At St. Matthew's, we have a long history of resettling refugees, and we are so thankful to be co-sponsors along with Refugee One, because in the past, folks had to do it all on their own, and they didn't have all of the tools and resources available. So, and I think the last time that we resettled a family was during the Bosnian War um, in the 1990s, but we are very thankful for our connection to Refugee One and, and the help that we're gonna offer each other. Um, I am also a core facilitator and I'm also on the co-mentoring team or on the core mentoring team, I guess we're calling it. Um, and very excited about that. I've been doing pastoral care for 20 plus years and I'm looking forward to welcoming new neighbors. I'd like to add, um, Kelly, you mentioned the, the word reinvigorate or invigorate. That's that's also been just an amazing kind of outpouring of love and care from people in both of our parishes and other them too. There's other Episcopal churches in Evanston also. We've, we've got people on our team from um, three of the churches, from um, a Catholic nun and her whole mother house in Indiana, and two of our neighbors that are from Afghanistan, who's offered if um, if our families this, that we end up sponsoring turns out to be from Afghanistan, that they will help with the translation. And we even in our last team meeting last month, she joined us and we had a, a recipe um, on a, a video from Afghanistan, and she taught us "Hush Amadi" means welcome in Dari. <laughs> so just, just wonderful new people are, are coming that, that really are, are reinvigorated even to join us and to do things with the church. And they, they see this as a great, uh, a, a wonderful opportunity. It's wonderful to pull in resources from other members of our community and people that have been connected to the church, but 
during COVID haven't necessarily been attending and they're back and they're opening their hearts to this whole process. So that's very exciting. So with people, when you mentioned people opening their hearts to this process, so how, how did you open your heart to this process? I, I would ask that for everyone. What called you to this work specifically? Well, I'll continue. Um, it begins with our baptismal covenant um, to seek and serve Christ in all persons and to love one another as Christ called us to. Um, and also to respect the inherent dignity of every human being. Um, we are made in God's image and we are all God's beloved children, no matter what religion our you know community that we're a part of. That's what we're supposed to be doing, welcoming one another. Go ahead, Cynthia. Thank you. Uh, I took the liberty of asking this question to our team when we met um, Tuesday night, and there were over 30 of us there on the call, on a Zoom call, and um, we just got amazing answers. And a lot of people come back to, Terry mentioned Ngozi, um, who Marta has the actual, the uh, what, what Ngozi said, but I'll just mention a few that people mentioned. Um, one person said, lit it literally matches our mission and theme of welcoming people near and far. It's all about community and welcoming. Someone said, it's what Christians do. <laughs> we have sponsored families in the past. It's been many years and the co-sponsorship with Refugee One brings many benefits. Um, someone said, there's so much going on in our world. Things are so huge that you can get overwhelmed. It's gratifying that we can actually make meaningful change for this family. Um, one said, I'm acutely aware of the abundance we've been given. This is something we can do. Caring and compassion for lives so incredibly disrupted. As people of faith, we care for others in their time of need. And this amazing kind of love takes a whole village. So those are just you know, some wonderful thoughts people had. And then um, everybody hearkened back to Ngozi. So Marta, if you could give us the background there. Sure. So um, Ngozi's uh, statement was, in the Old Testament, God teaches us about kindness to the stranger. We can show this when people are at their lowest point, confused. We have a place in our hearts that can touch them. We have the opportunity to be hands and face of Jesus, to walk with them. Christ is not here in the flesh to walk with them, but we are here. We really are also strangers in this world. And this is a classical way of showing love. And that was from Ngozi. My response is that God has called us as Christians to love and serve one another. Sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone to do that, but with God's help, we can do it. The St. Matthew's, St. Andrew's Pentecost uh, partnership to me is like a reflection of God's plans for us. We care about love and support each other. And that opens us up to join in the voice, heart, and spirit of all who demand to live with respect, justice, and peace in order to contribute to making this world a better place for all. Thank you for that, Marta. 
going to add to that that I think for those of us on the team, caring for others has become a way of being in this world. Um, and, you know, we it, it's an unknown. We don't know where our family will be coming from, but and we're gonna, there's going to be a learning curve there. But we're joyfully doing the work and uh, very thankful for this opportunity. Absolutely. In an earlier conversation I had with our Neighbor to Neighbor program missioner and manager, uh, Reverend Chris McNabb, he did speak a bit about community sponsorship as being an opportunity to live one's faith out loud. So um, as we do this and as your communities do this, um, I would love to go around and ask each of you, what are you most excited for in this process and what has been the most eye-opening? I can start. Um, I'm just, I'm thrilled to be doing this with, with our community and to be helping a family. Um, like Marta mentioned, it, it's parts of it are way outside my comfort zone. I'm learning. Um, and this is, I think, why we're here, why we're on earth. <laughs> so being able to do something concrete um, is just, it means the world. Thank you. That's putting our faith into action. Um, much like with uh, what Chris said. Um, and I think that it's brought our communities, the surrounding community together uh, for a single purpose. And I'm really looking forward to getting to know our new neighbors. Yeah, I'll jump in with a little bit of a different perspective, just because I'm, you know, I'm not on the co-sponsor team, but on the agency side. But I'm really excited because Refugee One has been a partner with EM historically. Um, there were some changes in policy under the Trump administration where we lost national affiliates. Uh, so we were EMM, CWS, Earth Control Service, and LIRS. But Unfortunately, we had to go down to one and are now only a, a local affiliate of Church World Service. But I'm really excited that these partnerships with the EMM congregations have continued and are continuing to be strengthened regardless of a national affiliation. And just to see, you know, communities come together. And like you said, Cynthia, get outside of your comfort zone, um, make connections with folks and, and do things that may feel uncomfortable at first, but that will be very life-giving in the end. Um, and just to see different community members, communities of faith and things like that come together, make connections and, and build a stronger community here in Chicago is, is inspiring and something I'm always excited about. Well, I'm excited uh, to be part of the group of Christ-centered people who are answering God's call to do the work, making sacrifices in love and bringing honor to God's name. Thank you. And this question is for everyone as well. Thank you so much for those for those things. What has been a challenge or something you've learned or just a general big takeaway of engaging with this work and leading others in engaging this work? I can do it's more a tactical challenge. <laughs> um, people are 
busy. <laughs> they are. And so we started out with a small group of people and um, they're the people that always step up there. So they're, they've got a lot going on. They care, their hearts go out. Do they do this, that, the next thing? But that means a lot of Zoom meetings and a lot of tasks and a lot of, um, so in the beginning, it was really um, make, finding people. Um, and, and when we communicated this, more people came, like Terry mentioned, from other places, people that we hadn't seen in a while or people from other churches. Or so it really, some of that solved itself. <laughs> um, but even now with so many things going on and, and this, the nature of wanting to include so many people also then brings with it, is Cynthia going to be sending 200 emails a week and you're just going to put them in a folder? <laughs> so there's that's a great reason to have a communication sub team. So they, they kind of filter it. Um, so we found ways around them, but we, I, I don't have any of the answers. <laughs> and so we're learning together and getting better and people have a lot of patience and a lot of care. So some of those logistical things, we have eight sub teams. So we have the facilitators who are problem solvers. We have the core mentor team who are trained by, um, who are going to be trained by refugee one and the people that then have the, the background checks and they and make sure they're vaccinated. All that stuff is um, those 10 people that will be actually meeting with walking alongside the family directly. We have a household items drive team that's pulling together all the pieces of what do you need for the kitchen and all this. And refugee one had a great list that we could start from. That was really helpful too. We have a moving day team. So how do we get a moving van out there with maybe less than two weeks notice and then a, a cleaning service and put the hang the curtains, make it feel like home. So some team is doing that. We have a initial greetings day, balloons at the airport, if that's what it comes to, yeah, and uh, dinner. We have translators, we have communications and then technology um, for the, the Google, just to keep things going. So there's a lot of teams and I think I, I, I need to make sure that I find a balance between overwhelming people with emails <laughs> and then letting those teams do what they really excel at and what they signed up because it inspired them to do. So it's kind of logistical answer to your question. Well, and I think we're all going to learn a lot as we go through this process. And, you know, there are going to be times when we're going to have to pitch in um, at the spur of the moment um, to solve whatever comes up and that's part of the part of the excitement around all of this i think um and we're going to not in this by ourselves we're working together we should also before we put other people off you don't have to have this many people i think kelly can mention too that I, we heard um from one it was just a, a family a couple of families of friends six eight people that did the whole thing and then the, so it doesn't mean that you that everybody that's listening to this needs to find you know three dozen people. <laughs> so. Yeah, Terry, something you mentioned kind of ties into what I've been thinking about, or something that's come up with with working in resettlement the last few years, which is kind of this piece of flexibility, right? When families come and challenges will come up uh, on a regular basis, and different families will have different needs. So being able to do as much preparation as possible, like you were talking about, Cynthia, like let's get ready to welcome this family and support them, but also recognize that there's no way to be fully prepared, that when you welcome a family, they will come in with different skills, different needs, different desires, and the team is there to walk alongside them in that um, through the different challenges that come up. 
and, and not to push them in a certain direction, but to be there and say, you know, these are the challenges here. Let's, let's work them out together. Let's, let's see and problem solve and, and see how we can work towards your goals. I, I think it's important. I, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not. I think it's important for anyone who um, is involved to make sure that they've prayed about it and that they truly want to do this work and then show up because so many people are going to be depending on them. Yeah, I think that's true. And another piece that comes to mind for me in, in this work is just that we're walking alongside families in a very difficult time, uh, in a time where there's a lot of challenges and questions that come up that don't have clear answers. And that's really difficult as a, as a team that comes in and wants to support them. And even as an agency, you know, we're working with a lot of Afghans right now who have family that are still in Afghanistan and, and don't have a clear path out right now, um, who have temporary status as humanitarian parolees, um, just a lot of situations that come up and challenges that come up that don't have clear answers. And so a, a challenge for co-sponsor teams and um, a way to lean into the work is to be ready for that uncertainty. So really walk inside alongside people and sit in them or sit with them in that in that uncertainty and be there to validate rather than coming in and saying, okay, we are here to fix it all. Um, that's you know not the approach yes. that that we can use, um, let alone should use with with supporting arriving families. And so those that kind of flexibility and reality piece pieces really come into play as as we're supporting families. Walking alongside other people is a key component of pastoral care, um, but also meeting people where they are um, is also to, you know, keep that in perspective as we move forward. Um, and we're going to have a learning curve as well. That keeping that in mind that we are here to show up and be present versus, you know, try to fix. I think there's a lot of um, some people when they are confronted with the opportunity to do this work, they think, oh, no, like there's so much to do. And how do I fix everything? I think it is important to remind people that, you know, there's so many ways that you can engage with this work, whether it's it's financially or just, you know, showing up, being part of a team or, you know, donating food or something like that. So um, I guess what would you say to someone who is on the fence about getting involved? They really want to get involved, but they're kind of paralyzed with everything going on, you know, compassion fatigue that's very real nowadays. Uh, what would you say to someone who wants to get involved? I'd love to hear from you guys as co-sponsors um, to see what you would say to other people. So for Neighbor to Neighbor, it's recommended that any organization looking to be a part of community sponsorship, um, it's recommended they form a team between five and 10 people. So five to 10 people who have gone through the initial interest and information sessions and the discernment process. Because Marta, as you said, I do think it's important to be dedicated to this work and to show up consistently. Um, and that's what Neighbor to Neighbor is. It is six months to a year of commitment. So how would you recommend folks get involved in this important work of community partnership and sponsorship? So 
again, don't have all the answers, but um, I think making some, and we also have a little bit of a different, um, we have an additional kind of a side additional goal because we have so many people who are interested in helping. So like you said, um, they can do something smaller. They can look at that list and our communications team is going to have articles about this. Look at the list, um, order something for online that will go to the church in support of, you know, um, something for the, the, tinfoil for the, the family's kitchen. So there'll be a, a maybe a wish list online. They can choose something. Some people that are more comfortable or maybe they want to stay in their home or can't get out of their home, choose something, it gets shipped directly there. So then they're involved and they get list on, put on the, um, we'll be sending thank you notes. We'll be, you know, all the people that are getting involved. Um, so a piece of maybe something with the household items drive or that's why we separated some of these projects too, because the core mentor team is the one that's going to be trained. And like you're saying, there's the discernment, there's the deeper where we really have to be there. But we're also hoping that people feel involved and feel part of this. We'll all have ownership together as both of our churches, plus the even a wider community. So I, I think there are pieces we're trying to make it a little more granular, keep people in the loop and let them help by um, in, in, um, ways that don't involve the the big investment too. Yeah, inviting people to share their gifts. And as Cynthia said, um, sharing them in big and small ways. Some people might not be able to do some of the hands-on things, but can do something small. And I think it's also important, um, Kelly, you mentioned this, that we are there to, to show up. Um, we're not there to fix anything. Um, that's one of the primary um, pieces of Stephen Ministry, which is a lay caregiving ministry that we're there to hold space for people and in whatever way that they need us to be there. Maybe it's just to listen. I mean, I think all of you have touched on this, but you know, as, as people of faith, we are called to this work of welcoming a stranger and um, it's kind of our responsibility and uh, you know, as followers and things like that to, to be a part of this work. But I think also too, yes, we, we bring different skills. We do bring different gifts and things like that. And to see those play out uh, in relationship is really special. And I think also we think about times where we felt welcomed, you know, and supported. What, what were those things? Was it always, a conversation with people? Was it a gift? Was it uh, feeling included? What were those things that made us feel welcome? And if we can be a small piece of making someone else feel that way, I think it's really important. Yeah, um, I think that showing love is really important. I think people need to know that even if you can only give a cup of cold water to someone in need, you're showing God's love. You know, when I, I think about the refugees and the immigrants and the disruptions in their lives and what they've been through and how we in this country are so blessed, God has shown us his mercies and his grace. Why would we not want to help someone else? You know, Thank you so much for that, Marta. And then one thing I'd like to 
sort of end with. Um, our podcast is called Hometown. And one of the things we've asked our guests um, throughout the couple years we've been doing this is what home means to them and how your perception of how it may have changed or evolved as you continue to be engaged with this work and this work of um, community sponsorship, um, but also generally the work of love and welcome. So what would you say home means to you? And I open that up to everybody. You know, I have evolved also. <laughs> so um, I, I used to have a narrower view of what home was, even when I think about our church. So I went to one church in a little town near mine that I just love. And I felt like that was home and I was meeting people and getting involved and they're wonderful people. They're all caring there. I just felt like it was my family. Um, and then through this and through the partnership, um, I've really, um, it, it's, it's expanded so much. I feel like the people that are not only so much home, but who is my family. And, and, and it sounds a little trite because there are all sorts of, you know, you or my family kind of training, but it really, it really is true for me that I see so many more people. I just, I love our partners from St. Andrew's Pentecost. I love the people we're meeting in the other Episcopal churches. I, I didn't know my neighbors nearly as well, the ones from Afghanistan until this project. So I really feel like my family and my home has expanded so much and it, it, it kind of reflects in, um, in my um, automatic kind of when I see people, I really do think now about that's, that's a person that um, is, is a, a new friend. So I, I really have appreciated this in my own personal, um, call it psyche also. Well, and I, to piggyback on what you said, Cynthia, I think that sharing God's love in the world, of course, as a deacon, um, that's kind of what I am called to do um, with everyone that I meet. Um, but our connection to St. Andrew's Pentecost and to the community, um, people that we meet in Evanston, in the surrounding communities, I think that my definition of home has expanded to include all of that. It's not just the four walls of the house that I live in. Um, and to love everyone um, at a lot of different levels. Um, and to show kindness and compassion. Um, just the way that we interact with others as we go about our daily lives. Um, doesn't cost anything to be kind to other people. So. That's what I would add. And I would add that home to me would mean the people who you're surrounded by. Again, the people who you love, the people who you support, the people who you respect. There can be so many meanings and so many attributes to home. I, I just, I don't know, this world, in this world, I think we're so blessed. We truly are. And this is our home because God put us here.
Yeah, I think all of you have touched on the idea that I've been floating around in my head of like the idea of home is always evolving. It's like it's something that I learn something new about every year. Uh, and as someone who's, who's lived in a few different places and been connected to, to folks from different places, I think a big piece of home is being able to be connected to those you want to be connected with and feeling supported in kind of all areas of life, but also being able to to live your own life and make your own choices and, and go toward your your dreams and desires and things like that. So I think there's this dual piece of being your own person, but also being within a community that, that supports you that really feels like home. So we would love to include a prayer over this work, over the the community sponsors, over the co-sponsorship teams, um, for the folks over the podcast wave. So uh, would someone feel called to pray for us? Holy and gracious God, we thank you for living and loving in and through us. May all that we do flow from our deep connection with you and all beings. We ask that you bless our time together and for your help in becoming a welcoming community as we prepare to walk alongside new neighbors. Listen to our heart's longings for the healing of our world and help us each day to stand for love. We offer this prayer in the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. 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 That was beautiful. Thank you so much for your words. And friends who are joining us through their headphones today, thank you so much for listening. If you're curious or wish to get involved in community sponsorship efforts like those of our friends at St. Andrew's Pentecost and St. Matthew's, I do invite you to check out EMM's Neighbor to Neighbor page at episcopalmigrationministries.org forward slash neighbor to neighbor. We invite you to fill out an initial interest form which will then enable you to join a virtual info session to see if community sponsorship would be a great fit for you or your faith community. We'll be hosting information sessions every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time, starting today, actually, March 1st. So just fill out the initial interest form to get started, and then we can send you the Zoom information. Thank you all so much, Cynthia, Marta, Kelly, and Reverend Terry for joining me today. We greatly appreciate your passion, your work, and your time. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for joining us for today's episode. For more resources and opportunities to get involved with Episcopal Migration Ministries, be sure to visit episcopalmigrationministries.org. You may also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we are EMM Refugees. To stay up to date on all new episodes, Make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. This critical work in ministry would not be possible without listeners and supporters like you. To continue to support the Ministry of Welcome, you can make a gift to Episcopal Migration Ministries. With your help, we will continue to welcome and resettle refugees and communities across the country, offer support to asylum seekers, and create beloved community for all of our immigrant siblings. Visit episcopalmigrationministries.org forward slash give or text hometown to 91999. Our theme song composer is Abraham Awenda Ikondo. Find his music at abrahamawenda.bandcamp.com. 
Until next time, peace be with you and with all those you consider home.